1: Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolnes. And coming up, we are going to continue taking our deep dive into the NFL draft. It's just a little over a week away now, and joining us in just a couple of minutes is Hayden Winks, first-time guest here on Eye on the Enemy. He's with the website Underdog Fantasy. Uh, He had written for NBCSports.com as of a few weeks back and uh, had a piece out for them where he detailed all of the needs that NFL. East's te- NFC East teams needed heading into the NFL draft. So we'll talk to him in just a couple of minutes to help as he'll help us break down what the Eagles will probably do or what they might do or what they should do, as well as uh, the Washington football team, the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. So all that's coming up here in the next few minutes of Eye on the Enemy. First, just a reminder, continue to check out bleedinggreennation.com every day for the latest news, rumors, notes about the NFL draft. It is right around the corner. We're going to have rankings and we're going to have a ton of podcasts coming your way next week. Lots of reaction shows, lots of reaction pieces. You want to know what's going on with the Eagles in the draft? BleedingGreenNation.com and the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed is the place to do it. Give us a five star rating and a review if you haven't done so. Uh, that goes a long way to helping out our fair podcast. But before we get to Hayden, uh, just a couple of uh, really interesting note actually from the the Athletics Ben Standig, who has been doing a, a lot of reporting on what teams are doing ahead of the NFL draft, and he had this little nugget that after trading back to t- number 12 in the draft, from number six and getting an additional first round pick next year from the Miami Dolphins. Howie Roseman is now exploring a trade that will get the Eagles back into the top 10, which is an interesting scenario. Obviously it would leapfrog both of the teams in the NFC East ahead of them, the Cowboys and the Giants, and would move them back up into the top 10. And when you're moving up three spots, it probably isn't going to cost you more than a, a third round pick, uh, as well as the, the first round pick that you currently hold at number 12. So, um, you know if you can get ahead of your NFC East if you can get ahead of your divisional rivals and maybe get a player that that they might want steal it from them absolutely a smart move if all you're giving up is a is a third round pick and the, the Eagles as we know have a lot of picks in the draft this year and a lot of picks in the draft next year and so maybe there is somebody that the Eagles really have their eye on or a certain position that the Eagles really have their eye on and that's kind of spurring Howie Roseman to continue to wade into the trade market. It sounds to me like Howie Roseman was was very happy in the number 6 spot but got an offer from the Miami Dolphins that was too good to pass up. When he was offered a first round pick next year, how do you not move down from number 6 to number 12 when you have all these different needs? I mean, yes, it's more exciting to pick number 6 than it is number 12 and you're more likely to get a top-notch Pro Bowl player year in and year out with a top six pick as opposed to a top 12 pick. But how big is the difference between those two things? How big is the difference between number six and number 12? And now you got that first-round pick for next year. Maybe you can move back into the top 10, jump ahead of a couple of division rivals, all for the cost of a third-round pick. I'm all for that. I'm all for making, sh- making sure that the first-round pick that we get this year lands. Right, Howie Roseman has to land this first round selection. Because we've seen in recent drafts, as everybody knows, that the early round selections have not gone very well. Right. I mean we've seen Andre Dillard, we've seen um J.J. Arthago Whiteside, we've seen Jalen Rager. Who knows what, you know, Jalen Hurts is gonna be and what he's gonna do. I still think that was a terrible waste of a pick. And they they've been wasting picks on on vanity players like Davion Taylor, who is still no closer to learning how to play linebacker and is no closer in his second year to being able to play uh, every you know as a regular defender on the Eagles and so you, you've got all these wasted draft picks with these these high picks that the Eagles have have spent over these last few years and maybe Jalen Rager turns out to be a burner and maybe he turns out to be a useful player in year number two it's not it's not really fair maybe I mean who knows what was going on with that coaching staff last year who I mean there were lots of other issues right there are lots of issues on that team that could have factored into Jalen Rager's poor play last year and the poor play of a number of players but I don't know that uh, we don't know what this new coaching staff is going to do we don't really know how effective they're going to be at coaching up some of these young players and so if you can move up from outside the top 10 from number 12 and maybe jump ahead of the Cowboys and the Giants and maybe maybe snag a player that they're potentially looking at not only is it better for your team it just feels good (laughs) right it feels good like the Cowboys stole C.D. Lamb from the Eagles last year, and the Eagles could have moved up, and they could have grabbed him, and they chose not to. Of course, as we all know by now, because they believe Jalen Rager fit their scheme better, which was obviously a a silly a silly thought. They could have moved up. They could have t- taken Justin Jefferson, and we all know, you know, the D.K. Metcalfs of the world. We all know the draft history. If you can move up into the top ten, it's a fewer fewer opportunities that you're going to pass over a player that you should take in that spot I think you're more likely to get a the the guy that you want in that spot so if if at all it costs is a third round pick Howie Roseman should run to do that trade no doubt about it move up a few spots three four five spots whatever it is if it's only going to cost you a third round pick make that move get yourself more certainty by getting into the top 10 of the draft and get ahead of a couple of your division rivals I mean you finished last last year it's Take advantage of that and pick first of all the teams in the division. So um, that's the latest report from the Athletics' Ben Standing. And, of course, all the mock drafts are out. We're we're seeing all kinds of different names attached to the Eagles there at number 12. And we're going to talk to Hayden Winks about some of those names coming up in just a few minutes. One other thing to mention before we get to our interview with Hayden. Peter King had an interesting interview on the Eagle Eye podcast. It came out on Thursday talking about Carson Wentz. And really laying the blame at the feet of Wentz for what happened in Philadelphia last year. Calling calling Wentz's behavior mind-boggling. He said, I'm honestly mind-boggled by the reaction of Carson Wentz. This is the big boy league. You've got to understand that the best part of ability is availability. And if you're not there or might not be there, Peter King is talking about Wentz's injury history, that team has to buy insurance for, for if you're not there. I believe, and one of the reasons why I thought Jalen Hurts was a good pick, again, this is Peter King talking, not me, that the backup quarterback is one of the most important people on your team because you better be sure that if your starting quarterback gets hurt, your season is over. Now, I don't agree with King that picking Jalen Hurts was the right thing to do. I still think that was a stupid move. I think think if people... Understand what Carson Wentz went through during the, the three years here, his last three years here after the injury. All it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know. We were screaming about it when they made the pick that it, w- it could be damaging to Carson Wentz. It could be damaging to the locker room. We we knew that. We knew all that going in, and so it's no surprise that it happened. That being said, the 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 part that's mind boggling with Carson Wentz, if he's if he was upset by the Jalen Hurts pick, is understand that they paid you all this money, that they were expecting you to be the franchise quarterback, and that when you didn't perform, when you played poorly, when you played like the worst quarterback in the NFL, which, again, there was only one quarterback worse than him according to quarterback rating. That was Sam Darnold last year. When you play that way, you lose your opportunity to start. It is not, it is not Doug Peterson and the Eagles coaching staff in the front office pulling the rug out from under Carson Wentz. And there is a fair bit of, I mean, I can understand why the Eagles might have considered drafting a quarterback specifically as a backup, but you don't take a second round pick to do that. You don't use a second round pick on a guy you hope never plays because obviously the idea is you hope Carson Wentz stays healthy and you hope he never plays. You hope Jalen Hurts never plays. But I will say it is is nice to see a national reporter see what we've been saying. Right. That that Carson Wentz and his behavior this year, his his insistence on getting traded because he was benched and for whatever other reasons was mind boggling. We couldn't figure it out either. Like, how can a guy not see what's happening, how he's playing, what he's doing and not understand that what happened was justified? And it's. I think, that, you know, well, I'm not going to play psychologist with, with Carson Wentz, but um, it was a very interesting interview that Peter King did um, on thir- that uh, got released on Thursday on the Eagle Eye podcast. So, um, you know, obviously we want you to listen to all the Bleeding Green Nation podcasts, but uh, check that out because it is an interesting interview as well. He had a little bit more to say about it too. Um, and obviously we're all hoping Carson Wentz has a big season in Indianapolis, getting the Eagles another first-round pick in next year's draft. Well, joining me to break down a little bit more about the NFL draft coming up uh, the week after week after next is uh, Hayden Winks uh, from Underdog Fantasy. And we'll make sure you check his stuff out on Twitter at Hayden Winks. Hayden, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I'm
0: excited to talk about the draft and specifically the NFC East. Hopefully they can start nailing some draft picks so we get this division up a tier, huh?
1: Yeah, no kidding. Last year with everybody under 500, it was, it's, it's everybody's drafting high, at least except for the Washington football team. So it seems as though uh, they're going to get an opportunity to do that. And of course the, the latest rumor is that the Eagles are considering trading back into the top 10. They moved from six to 12. And now it looks like according to the athletics, Ben standing, they want to get back up into the top 10. What are you hearing re- regarding that as a possibility? And what are your thoughts on them moving back up into the top 10? Does it, is it counterproductive or, you know, what would it cost
0: well we just saw the dolphins do this exact move and i'm not sure if that was the best decision by the dolphins to do that i think that the one thing about that makes this interesting for the eagles is the cowboys and the giants pick right in front of them and they might be uh, hunting for the same position specifically at cornerback we know that the cowboys are going to be in that market and we know that the eagles is probably their biggest team need outside of maybe receiver so uh, maybe they go up to pick number nine with the Broncos. The Broncos have historically been a trade down team. There's rumors from their beat reporters that if they don't go for quarterback, which is still TBD, that they might look to trade down. So I think that going from 12 to nine wouldn't cost that much, maybe a day two pick in the future. And if that's the case, and they're really confident that it's Patrick Sertain or JC Horn, that is the clear CB one, then maybe it does make some sense from the Eagles just to go uh, ahead of their division rival.
1: Is this something that you think would take place kind of ahead of time, or would this be a kind of like a draft night trade? Because I'm, I'm, it is interesting to see teams moving around. Uh, a lot of times you get these moves on draft night when you see how the board is starting to fall.
0: Yeah, I would be kind of surprised if this happened beforehand just because they don't know, like, what if the Lions picked a corner? Because, like, they're not the only team The Panthers could take a corner. And if, if that's what they're set on, and I don't really see the – If the Eagles want a receiver, I don't really see the need to jump ahead of the Cowboys and Giants just because that's probably their best uh, strengths. Each one of Mm -hmm. those teams is at receivers. I think the only reason why you would move up, it would be for an an outside corner or perhaps a quarterback. I don't think they'll go for quarterback. I think they're actually set on Jalen Hurts giving him a year, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't think this would happen before draft night just because you're like trading up for a defensive player is already pretty risky Mm -hmm. and unless you know who exactly that player is, I don't think you would do it until you're actually on the clock. All
1: right, well, let's say the Eagles stay where they are. Let's say they don't move up into the top 10 and they stick with number 12. Who do you have? There's been a ton of mock drafts out there, but who do do you see as being in the window there for those guys? Yeah, I think it'd be Patrick Sertain or JC Horn, who,
0: depending on who is available after the Cowboys select probably their corner, and the reason why I lean corner ahead of receiver is the depth at each position, and the outside, Side corner depth is a little bit suspect, especially compared to the receiver. You can find slot receivers on day two. There's probably at the top of the second round, Terrace Marshall or Rashad Bateman, a a Diami Brown. One of those guys could be available for the Eagles in round two. And then even beyond that, like guys like Tyland Wallace and maybe like an Amon Ross St. Brown might fit later, um, where I think that for finding a cornerstone, I would go that corner, making sure you lock up one of the premier athletes of the class and then find your Jalen Rager uh, counterpart on day two. All
1: right. So, so if we're talking cornerback wide receiver in some kind of order in the first couple of rounds, obviously there's a balance between drafting for, for need, which you don't want to reach for need, but obviously each team goes into these drafts with positions of need. What are some other areas maybe um, in the third, fourth round, you see the Eagles could potentially be targeting.
0: Well, I think it'd be slot corner and linebacker. And the Eagles have had some tough linebackers for the yeah. last couple of years, and they still haven't f- yeah. figured out the positions, Much like UDFA guys and yeah. guys on cheap contracts. Obviously it's not as big of a position of need historically, just in the NFL. And I think that the only guy that's receiving any round one buzz where the Eagles are selecting would be Michael Parsons, but he has some off field issues t- to sort through. And I think that, the corners, it'd just be a better value play. So I think on day two, day three, you can find probably a linebacker that can compete for starting role, like immediately. Mm -hmm. And then obviously I'll, the, the other position would be slot slot corner
1: all the time. We hear teams talk about building through the lines and I'm not hearing much about the Eagles trying to add players on the defensive line and the offensive line. The offensive line is aging and it's getting up there yes. in age. And there's some interesting players there. Um, Jordan, Milata played inter- an interesting year of football. I'm not sure if it was good in many respects, but he certainly is much further along than anybody thought he would be. And then Andre Dillard, who was their former first round pick who they traded up for a couple of years ago, Missed all of last season. And so they have some youth in one spot there on the offensive line, but the rest of the offensive line is aging. Could you see them going offensive line early in this draft? I could just
0: because I think that the Eagles have realized, I think that's why the, there was a coaching change. I think that's why they're kind of committed to Jalen hurts is I think they they realized they needed to play the long game. And if you are playing the long game, it's not as much about team needs, it's about best player available. I think the closer you are to your Super Bowl, that's when you like go for your team needs. For example, it was like the Bucks last year. They needed a safety. They needed a, a right tackle. They accomplished both of those picks and obviously they went to the Super Bowl. So I think the Eagles know that they're kind of in a reset because like you said, it is an aging roster specifically mm-hmm. on the offensive line. So uh, I wouldn't completely rule that out. This is a team that's building for the future. Um, I will say the one thing is, uh, interior offensive line and even at tackle, there's a lot of guys on day two, and maybe even like into like round four that could mm. push for starting roles. It's one of the deeper classes in, in this draft.
1: All right, so just kind of buttoning up on the Eagles as as Eagles fans sit after day two, what does a successful draft look like for this for this organization? Yeah, so I I want one premier player on defense, and then I want to
0: at least give a shot that Jalen Hurts can become the starting quarterback. I I, I think that he needs one more. Receiver, whether that's a if they're going to go back to two tight end sets and draft a, a premier tight end, or if that's going to be a wide receiver, um, I think one of those spots maybe that, that includes the offensive line too. But I think that they should give Jalen Hurts a little more room to like be a playmaker, and I think he needs one more receiver to make that happen. And if 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 Jalen Hurts can't do, then you guys have three first round picks to uh, address the quarterback situation. But I would at least try to give Jalen Hurts a chance because he's cheap. We know he's a great person. We know he's won over the locker room already. So why not give him a shot to win the job? But I think you have to come away with one blue chip defensive player. And that's why I'm, I would be leaning cornerback here.
1: We're talking with Hayden Winks of Underdog Fantasy. And uh, Hayden, a couple of weeks ago, wrote a piece for NBCSports.com detailing all of the needs that teams in the NFC East had heading into the draft. And so kind of want to go team by team here. And let's start with the team that won the division last year. Let's start with the Washington football team. They have these, it's amazing how in the NFL, your things can change from one year to the next. And all of a sudden you look at Washington's roster on the defensive side of the ball. They seem to have a lot of pieces there and they were aggressive in free agency this offseason as well. Uh, the one thing they don't really have is a quarterback. And I know that was a top your list of needs for them, but it doesn't seem like something they're going to really be able to address in this year's draft picking where they are. Is that accurate?
0: Yeah, so I have quarterback listed ahead of left tackle and off-ball linebacker for Washington, and they're in a little predicament. I can see one of the top five consensus quarterbacks sliding a little bit, um, especially if, like, Mac Jones doesn't go at number three, like some are predicting. What if he falls down to, like, closer to, like, pick nine? Could Washington move up at that point? I think it would be very aggressive for Washington to move up from, like, 19 to four, like, into, like, the top six or seven picks. That's probably too aggressive. Um, but their, their entire roster is built for the next couple of years. And the only way to retain all of these defensive players, and when Terry McLaurin needs a new contract and so on mm. and so forth, is to have that cheap quarterback. And that's something that they do have in Ryan Fitzpatrick. I do think Ryan Fitzpatrick could definitely be a one year stopgap where they, if they don't need a quarterback this year or can't grab a quarterback this year, they're totally fine winning with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So it really just depends on if one of those t- consensus top five quarterbacks. Falls, I think the sweet spot for them would probably be like trading up to like pick nine, where the Broncos, um if they don't like one of the quarterbacks there, then you can. That's kind of the range where I can start seeing Washington to be into that uh, top five quarterback mix. So,
1: so, kind of the same area where you're thinking about the Eagles uh, moving yeah. moving up into. It'd be interesting if Washington leapfrogs all three teams in the division and and moves ahead of them on draft night. Yeah, I think the the two teams inside the top ten that would be paying attention to
0: would be the Lions and Broncos, maybe even the Panthers as trade down targets. Um, All three of those teams could be in the quarterback market, but we don't know how all these teams, just because we as like a draft community kind of Mm -hmm. gives all five of these quarterbacks round one grades. We know that's not how it works. We know that some, (laughs) some teams just completely cross off, uh, off one or two of these quarterbacks. So um, those would be, that's kind of like the sweet spot where you can see one of these, Uh, NFC East team slide up a couple spots.
1: One other thing about Washington, they've added, you know, they added Curtis Samuel to help out with the wide receiving core, hopefully to give Terry McLaurin, a running buddy on the other side of the field. And Antonio Gibson will be uh, entering his, his second year in the league. He showed some flashes last year. Do they have enough at the position, at the, uh, at the skill positions uh, that they don't need to really worry about that in rounds one or two? Well, they 79%
0: of Washington's pass attempts last year came in 11 personnel. And right now they have two, franchise receivers and Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, but they could definitely use a third receiver. I don't even know who that is currently. And that just kind of goes to show you how (laughs) uh, little depth they have there. I think with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas and Antonio Gibson, that's enough juice to kind of get away with the position, but I would be surprised if Washington in the third round, maybe the second round or fourth round somewhere in that range adds a little bit depth at receiver. Like they can easily use, Second outside receiver, especially I think they need some size Terry McLaurin's mm-hmm. kind of on the undersized The Curtis Samuels is definitely on the undersized um, a little bit a bigger target for the red zone probably would come in handy mm-hmm. so maybe a, a big outside receiver for Washington on day two.
1: All right, let's look at Dallas here. And they obviously had a terrible year last year. Um, they had a chance to, to add defense early in last year's drafts, but instead went with the bright, shiny object in, in CeeDee Lamb. And so they took him early and then really didn't get a chance to optimize him because Dak Prescott gets hurt early in the season. Dak is going to be back. And you got to imagine that the offense should hum with Dak Prescott back uh, under center next year. So that would lead me to believe defense. And you mentioned cornerback where else is Dallas looking on defense to add here in the early part of the draft? Yeah. So my team needs calm. I have
0: outside corner, free safety, defensive tackle, and then slot corner as the Cowboys biggest needs. Like you said, they already had their luxury pick last year going CD lamb over the available corners and uh, edge rushers. So I, I don't think they can get away with going another shiny object like you mentioned. I think it's got to be outside corner. And the good news for them is most likely the Cowboys are probably going to get their choice of either the top edge rusher in the class or the top corner. There's a chance that the Cowboys at pick 10 draft the first defensive player on the board. I think that's probably the first time that uh, it's been offense like pick one through nine and like probably forever. Um, I know like the last couple of years at least been like pick six is like the latest of the defensive players gone. But I can definitely see the Cowboys being um, in the cornerback market, I, I, there's not a free safety worth picking at that spot. So I think it's definitely probably corner, maybe edge rusher, but I don't think that's as big of a need as corner is.
1: Obviously the draft is going to change this a little bit, depending on who gets selected. But right now as we're a little over a week uh, out from the draft, or actually it's a little less than a week out from the draft. Um, as we're recording this on Friday afternoon, which roster is better right now in your mind Washington or Dallas? Washington's roster is better the just the one difference is just Dak Prescott versus Ryan Fitzpatrick
0: so yeah. if, Ryan Fitzpat- <laughs> yeah, if Ryan Fitzpatrick played as well as he did last year I think that wa- I would give Washington the bump their offensive line is not great but it is serviceable they've added more talent the skill positions and we already know that it's by far the best defense in the division so um, who knows how good Dak Prescott's going to be coming off of injury I'm assuming it's gonna be pretty damn good and it just could, could Dallas hit on one of these uh, blue chip players on defense because they are just desperate hmm. for finding some talent and maybe maybe the, the new coaching staff changes things on the defensive side of the ball too.
1: Let's finish up with the New York Giants, and this is the team in the NFC East I think most people forget about a lot of the time, but I think they've actually, with getting Kenny Galladay this offseason and made a couple other moves, all of a sudden Daniel Jones has a lot of talent around him at the skill positions as well, so as they enter the the early stages of this draft, uh, where do you see New York focusing their efforts? Well, to make it or break it year for both Daniel Jones and Dave, Dave Gettleman, if
0: Daniel Jones doesn't improve, they can be in the quarterback market next year, especially if it's going to be a new general manager. I do think that Gettleman has surrounded Jones with enough skill talent. I mean, they're two deep at tight end. They're three deep at receiver and they have Saquon Barkley, obviously. So mm-hmm. um, they can get away with their offensive tackles after drafting Andrew Thomas last year, but offensive guard and center are both, areas of need and i think on day two that's kind of the sweet spot um, unless they went like elijah vera tucker in round one i think that most of the guard and center talent is going to be available on day two so for me right now it's going to be edge rusher and that's like the one spot in on the giants defense that they're just completely lacking they have they're really deep at the safety spots and at corner they're really deep on the interior as well um so right now it is the premier edge rusher is what they're missing and just based off of like doing mock drafts, the top 10 picks, Mm -hmm. I would be kind of surprised if an edge rusher went there. So I think that the giants could be a team to draft the first edge rusher off the board Mm -hmm. right now. There's no consensus on who that is. And there are some guys that have round one buzz that have like medical concerns. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some guys that profile like better um, uh, run defenders than like pure sack artists. Mm -hmm. So who knows if the giants feel comfortable drafting an edge, that early at pick 11, but we know Dave Gettleman never trades down. So they're going to be sticking. So I'm going to guess it's going to be the top edge rusher. I have no idea who that's going to be though.
1: Well, there's a lot left to go here in the next week before the NFL draft. Make sure you're following everything Hayden Winks is doing by following him on Twitter at Hayden Winks, check out underdogfactory.com. And uh, I know you, you do a podcast also Hayden. Why don't you tell the people where they can find it? Yeah. Josh
0: Norris and I just started a podcast called the underdog fantasy show. And that's going to be twice episodes twice a week we do some fantasy content we also talk offensive line and and defense and right now we're going through all the the draft stuff so um two more weeks for with that and then then it's it's becomes fantasy season for us
1: there you go fantasy season right around the corner hayden thanks so much for coming on eye on the enemy man i really appreciate it thank you p g